Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Josh Brown, we've had a hell of a weekend of video games. Now, I can't tell you what I've been playing. You know, I've, I, I can tell you that I've acquired God of War Ragnarok. I can't tell you another thing about it, though. Dude, oh, here's the thing, right? <laughs> there are so many video games I've mm -hmm. actually had to put playing God of War Ragnarok off myself. <laughs> the, the second code for us came through. 0.1% problems. I know, here. right? And I'm going to get to it, but I needed to complete Gotham Knights yes. before I went to God of War Ragnarok because I need God of War Ragnarok to be the only thing on my plate. I can't be spinning back. Batman on one hand, oh, and God. then Kratos and Atreus on the other. It's very true. Uh, Gotham Knights will now also be referred to through gritted teeth as uh, you've oh. fallen off. We did initial impressions. We did a video on it a good few uh, last week, I think. It feels like forever ago now. And um, yeah. in a God of War cocoon, I have. But like in terms of uh, God of War, sorry, we'll get to Gotham Knights stuff. I want to break <laughs> those things down. Um, but first, you want to do a little bit of a shout out because we had a lovely tribute thing put together. Yeah, because in between um, playing video games all week, I have been laughing nonstop at <laughs> uh, a bingo card yeah. that one of the listeners called TJ tweeted at us. And you can Master find this out. on Scott Tilford's Twitter. He retweeted it. And I just want to shout it out because it's very funny because, <laughs> you know, it, this essentially is pointing out every single thing that we do in every single one of these podcasts yeah. in a really funny way. And I felt more seen reading this <laughs> than I ever have before because it's absolutely bang on. And now it makes me kind of, you know, we'll no doubt say some of these bingo yeah, phrases yeah, yeah. today, but now it's made me very aware of how I speak on these podcasts and the well, things that we were Rely on. It was very much, uh, yeah, realizing uh, in the UBP that I say next question uh, every that now was and hilarious. then, or uh, applying whatever the thing is. Right now, you'll be a Gotham Knightsman, and uh, you've <laughs> got to get through that. Uh, little things that you don't realize, but yeah, massive shout out to TJ. I uh, would recommend go and check out that bingo card. I kind of want to play what culture podcast bingo. Uh, I don't know how yet, but maybe we'll do that as some sort of Christmas treat. I think is that maybe if we ever get like the big streams back, right? We should mm. get a snippet of podcasts and we should play it as a drinking game Ooh. every single time one of the bingo phrases or events comes up, yes. we all have to take a drink because I think we'll be hammered after about 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. But yeah, in terms of video games, I should also say that Mondays bring you the wind-up. I'm Scott Hilford. You're Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Hilford. Brain going over the latest video games, the latest talking points, the latest news in the industry. But right now, like I said, can't talk about God of War and in terms of gaming industry stuff. There's not that much doing the rounds in terms of wider industry conversations other than what the hell's going on with the next generation and frame rate and ting, which brings us back to Gotham Knights. And that game, I said that I love Gotham Knights, which I right now I still do. I'm about five, six hours in. I got sidelined by God of War um, in a very pleasant way. But 
Gotham Knights, I think, has some incredible character writing and a very promising story. I, and initially, a very engaging mystery, but you've now finished it, and apparently the back third, you text me and said it's one of the worst back thirds you've ever seen. I have, you know, never... We're not going to do spoilers either. To, no, no, oh yeah, no spoilers, just talking general mm. gameplay and mission design uh, things. Um, yeah, this I was so disappointed with the back third of mm. this game because... You know, as you said, we did that review in progress last week. We did our first impressions Mm -hmm. after a couple of hours. And while we were negative on a lot of things, there was a lot of promise to the game. And I did get into a groove with it after about 10 hours where I was just... Actually quite enjoying Final it. Final Fantasy 13, is it? 100%. You know, there were a lot of interesting side missions popping off. The world felt more populated. Mm. And I was having a, f- having a really fun time with the gear system in flicking between characters. But man, this thing feels unfinished when you get to the back third. All right. of that promise, for me, completely drops off. Mm-hmm. And I wonder whether people will echo this sentiment when they get to the end of the game because it just nosedives in terms of the variety of the mission design, the quality of the side missions themselves and the eventual mystery of what's going on in Gotham to me amounted to pretty much nothing towards the end and it was oh. it was so disappointing man because we wanted to love it we yeah, really man. did there's so much promise so much ambition in there mm-hmm. but it tails off hard but you also said that there's one boss fight they reuse you fight the same thing five times yeah well this is it let me kind of try to explain what I mean about it feeling unfinished, and Mm. that's because the quality of the mission design and the repetition of the game design towards the end is just so bland. There are some really interesting set pieces at the midpoint of this game, especially when you're doing the side missions for the other villains. You know, the entire environment transforms to reflect the characteristics of the villains that you're fighting, and it feels big. It feels like a big set piece. It's visually spectacular. It's the closest to next-gen that the game Mm. ever gets. However, the quality, or at least the creativity of those missions, is not present towards the end of the game. One of the final things you do in this title (laughs) is fight a boss, which is quite cool the first time you do it. It's in a really interesting location. It's a a unique boss fight for the time. Uh You fight this boss, you think that's cool, and then before you can progress to the final mission, the game says, oh, by the way, there are three of of these bosses out in the open world. (laughs) Go take them out. And it's the same boss every time with with no variations oh in the moveset. One might be harder than the other. So you do this three times, right? Mm-hmm. And then you finally get into the final level. And in the final level, you fight the boss again. <laughs> it throws you it one more time. And I was just thinking, how have you ran out of ideas? How is this what we're doing for the final level of this climactic yeah. um, experience when you were doing more creative things 10 hours ago? Like, did you just run out of time is the yeah. question that I have to ask. That's the thing, though. I have such a feeling with this game that we're, we're awaiting a Bloomberg-style report, or an insider report of what the hell happened during development because their whole thing about... I mentioned this in the video we did. I mentioned this on the last podcast we did. Their whole thing of ditching last ge- the last generation's consoles like two months before launch meant nothing. Like it, It's more like a marketing push. But like even then, it's a terrible one because if their idea was the f- one of the first proper next-gen games like built for the new systems, whatever, they still couldn't really say that because they knew they were going to hit 30 FPS. And even that whole side of it, is kind of fascinating in itself because obviously initially it was strung between four different platforms. Um, you know, at the, at the, at the little, at, at, the, at the very little kind of thing, uh, PS5, um, you know, series systems, and assuming to the Xbox One or whatever, then they did the last generation to try and focus on the new systems, but they still barely hit 30 FPS. So it's like whatever that core executable is, whatever that core file is that is the video game, is still struggling to be optimized for something, and that's what we've ended up getting is a very unoptimized game. Yeah. But that general feeling of what the hell are we putting together? What are we aiming for? 
seems to extend into like like you said the way that the campaign rolls out where the opening is incredibly strong I like right now like I said I'm five six hours in I love what they're going for and what they've given me so far I personally prefer to Arkham Knight mm. just in terms of character writing the mystery I care more about it I care more about the way that um, thematically the way that it's set up this idea of trying to live up to Batman and the idea of how do you tackle uh, post Batman Gotham and all the different things that come from that the various factions that are trying to take hold of Gotham and how do you combat that and everyone's trying to live up to their own um, protégés like uh, whether that's Barbara Gordon for Jim Gordon or whatever and I love I love all those things for me that's way more engaging than the weird bait and switch they did with Arkham Knight where it was just the Arkham Knight is Jason Todd who's it going to be oh well the first thing he says lets you know it's Jason Todd right and like uh, the weird line delivery that I thought that everyone had in Arkham Knight um, as much as I love Jonathan Banks his Jim Gordon was a weird fit <laughs> and just things like that um, Arkham Knight was a weird weird game and then they try to put Joker in there and it just felt really messy and whatever I thought Gotham Knights from the first five to six hours landed so much strongly which to bring it back to my dev point is that those things it's not that you make a game in order yeah. but I feel like in terms of at some point you're going to polish the first impression you're going to polish the first half and but it's one of those things where like you realise as development rolls on that you don't have a finale you're unable to you know sketch out or conceptualise and put together the, whatever they would have had in mind so it becomes let's reuse this boss over and over again yeah. to try and pad it out a little bit uh, and create a sense of a finality but that reminds me of Metal Health Singer where every single level was the same thing again um, for whatever reason on the dev side but like I said I feel like we're overdue or we're, we're due uh, some sort of conversation on what the hell happened with Gotham Knights and what the hell is going on with the Suicide Squad as well I mean you know yeah. Rocksteady hasn't had a game released in seven years now if we're talking about Arkham Knight you know God, they yeah. knocked that Arkham trilogy out incredibly quick for how big and detailed those games were yeah. then they've been quiet and there have been a lot God, of they had three games in six years yeah man, 2009 like, 2011 and 2015 exactly they were on a run and now they've had you know it's taken them longer between Arkham Knight and Suicide Squad than it did for the entirety of that trilogy which is just kind of crazy I make a horrible prediction yeah, that game on. is not going to sell not going to. I think it'll I, sell, but whether it's going to be good is going to be different. I think. I see. I think the other way around. I oh. think the Rocksteady's like are prof, a very proficient dev. It depends how much Warner Brothers have got their tendrils in and had a bunch of business meetings where they've said, "Well, you've had a lot of time in development. We need X monetization model plugged into this thing." Um, but the Rocksteadiness should be solid. Like most yeah. of that dev team are still the same as they were for Arkham for the original Arkham trilogy, um, or whatever. I just don't think the average person cares about Suicide Squad, and I think that the most recent movie, absolutely bombing, only cemented that fact. But do you not think you know? Just not to dwell on this too much, do you dwell. not think the idea of it being Suicide Squad and the Justice League will be enough? Because people might not care about Suicide Squad, mm. but I do think the idea of going up against, you know, a warped version of the Justice League with Superman, Green Lantern, I think, uh, and all of the others <laughs> in there, is, is not, not, not give it an extra It doesn't pull. do it for me. I, okay. I'm curious how much people will care about the DC films. I think, like, obviously Black Adam's out right now. I'm seeing very little conversation. I've seen, like, enough people... I, I saw Greg Miller uh, from Kind of Funny share a, a midnight screen photo where he was the only person in the cinema um, and I'm curious what that is I know it's done like decent enough in terms of its opening weekend and everything but I just wonder where people are at on DC stuff and that idea of missing its window let's say so drastically where like there was that, that first Suicide Squad movie was, was abysmal but there was more positivity around that than the Suicide Squad the James Gunn one even though that was a better film yeah. and I feel like the Suicide Squad game will be like that James Gunn movie a right. lot of people like it if they see it um, but the general reception will be Suicide Squad again this, right. this never worked and you've like the, the whole like Water Brothers thing where they there was the Damian Wayne game that got canned or assumedly got canned and there was all the rumours around Arkham Insurgency all this different all these different ideas 
ideas that could have been the future of the Arkham series, and they sort of just dovetailed off into this Suicide Squad game. I just don't think the love is there for Suicide Squad. I feel like that was Warner Brothers chasing Guardians of the Galaxy in terms of putting money behind this set of characters, and it never worked. For me, I don't think that matters as much in the gaming realm because, mm. you know, if if we were talking about sheer popularity getting, you know, bums in seats, as it were, yeah. uh, controllers in hands, I think, <laughs> you know, that was, for me, disproven with the Avengers. Like, the Avengers, even at the time, was, like, the biggest property in the world. And okay. because that game wasn't very good, it didn't sell. Like, it, it could have right, traded... Right. Mm. on its IP alone, mm. and it didn't. Same with kind of Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, that franchise is huge in the movie universe, and the game was pretty good. Yeah. But that kind of came and went, and the, the sort of uh, pedigree of its IP didn't help it. I think Suicide Squad might benefit from the inverse in that mm. its IP isn't as popular as Guardians and isn't as popular as the Avengers. But if the game is good, I don't think that'll matter. I think people will go to Maybe. it because it's a cool game. It's a good game with superheroes in. And look, Superman's It didn't there. work for Guardians of the Galaxy, the game game whereas like that was like incredibly proficient but like that the thing that i think puts people off this is such a dovetail but i feel like the thing that puts people off is when you don't have um likable sorry um, likenesses intact like when the avengers game got shown off i remember that general sort of like deflation online of people going like oh so it's not chris evans it's not robert Downey jr it's not whatever and um and it was like who the hell are these guys and it was like and then sort of um square Enix and crystal dynamics having to pull it back and be like well it's our take on the characters and whatever and like i still love that game's campaign well i love that game's uh, version of sandra sad and i like her story Story, the rest of the campaigns kind of falls apart or whatever. But that whole thing of, you know, Suicide Squad, it's like, well, you can't get Margot Robbie, but it's still Harley Quinn. It's still recognizably Harley Quinn. And then the other characters, like, you've got King Shark. You don't have to worry. Like, that will look like King Shark. So it's like, you can kind of do those things. But I wonder how much that um, the optics of it factors in. Like, whether people go, like, you know, how much is it, are they trying to trade off the assumed likeness of Suicide Squad in a wider cultural, yeah. you know, pop culture kind of capacity? Um, yeah, for me, I just feel like it's missed its window. Um, and then if I talk about the literal gameplay side of it, um, which is kind of what Gotham Knights appeared to be doing. I know this is a two-player co-op game, but it always came across like a four-person game, mm. which I think is cr- is like Marmite to some people. Um, mostly like me. Like, I didn't care about Gotham Knights until we got the review code through, and I was like, ah, I might as well try it. You were doing the review, I might as well try it. Um, and then I found that I really liked it. Um, I think when something advertises itself as a four-person squad shooter, to some people, that is just the anti-game. That's, yes. what, that's just not what they want to touch whatsoever, which I'm one of those people. Um, especially when you start telling me it works as a single player. That'll get me to try it but then as soon as my character goes down and I can't be revived and I have to restart again it's all that stuff um, and yeah I think when you look at the Suicide Squad gameplay it's it's another squad shooter made for an made for a world where those are the biggest genre uh, in gaming and yeah. they're just not yeah I mean you could be right man like I do agree that Anthem Avengers Gotham Knight they've all fell yeah 100% I, th- I think Gotham Knights is different in that it works mm better as a single-player game, and I hope that Suicide Squad will, you know, work if you're playing solo with your, you know, computer teammates around you. I hope so, anyway. Mm. I do want to go back to something that you said when you were talking about Gotham Knights and the quality of the writing, Mm. because I do kind of agree that the opening hours present a Batman story that is really interesting with fascinating characters Mm. who are dealing with loss and who are dealing with trying to live up to their mentors. You know, you talk there about uh, Barbara Gordon wanting to live up to Jim Gordon and the precedent that he set within the GCPD. You've got Tim Tim Drake as Robin, of course, being like the runt of the litter, trying to live up to pretty much everyone around (laughs) him and trying to outdo the previous Robins. You've got Jason Todd who died and came back to life and is just does he ever talk about that? Because it's such a, it's so mentioned that it's, he never brings it up. He always talks about it, Scott Tilford. <laughs> he never shuts up about Jason being dead. Jason dead. And this is what I'm going to get to, right? All of these characters have great 
um, you know, motivations. They have interesting kind of characteristics and driving forces behind them. Mm -hmm. However, for me, the writing never evolves on those ideas. I couldn't believe how many jokes about being dead that Jason Todd (laughs) makes in this game. Actually, they're not even jokes. They're just comments. I was going to say, okay, yeah, do do your thing. No, people will just say, you know, hey, that's a strange, oh, what about that Lazarus pit, eh? And Jason Todd will be like, I know something about a Lazarus pit because I died and then it brought me brought me back to life but it's it's not a joke it's not evolving the character and i kind of laughed that right at the very end of the game Mm. he says it again he's like hey you know i was dead right (laughs) and it would have been fine if everyone else kind of was like oh you're talking about this again but it's just kind of like played as it always was throughout the game it's the same with um barbara you know she talks about kind of like missing some time as batgirl Mm. and when she was uh oracle she talks about you know again jim gordon a lot but the idea is just kind of like oh people will tell her that you're disappointing Bruce Wayne you're Mm. disappointing Jim Gordon you're disappointing the rest of your family and uh, it never really evolves beyond that so to me the character writing had potential but ultimately it kind of just boils down to them being defined by one thing and not really getting any evolution on that one thing which is why ultimately I do prefer Arkham Knight's uh, writing. Yeah what's hilarious is that to me you've just described Batman Right, because I don't feel like like I mean I couldn't tell you he like he's been the dead parent hero for seventy five years or whatever like I don't I don't think he's had any resolution I don't think he's had any evolution from that he's still like whatever age he's going to be forty fifty years old or whatever in canon still motivated by the death of his parents that happened when he was like eight years old like I yeah like I think of those characters as all being in like a cocoon of their own motivations and they they don't they they almost like uh, intentionally don't evolve past that it's like that's why they're fighting. That's them. I get that as a kind of like basis for a character. You know, <coughs> Batman has his parents, and that's been you know not anymore. To death now, not anymore. Yep. Uh, Spider Man has Uncle Ben. Like that's those are bedrocks of those characters. However, even within those stories, not everything refers back to that one moment. They're not talking right. about it all the time. They have True. other traumas. They have other issues that they're dealing with. You know, yeah, Batman is always going to be haunted by the death of his parents, but he's also got this relationship with Talia al Ghul. He's got this thing going on with Selina mm. Kyle. He's got all of these rivalries with all of these uh, different villains. Uh, he has other problems that they refer to. He, so he's like at his core, defined by the death of his parents, but people aren't referring to it necessarily all the time. No, that's true. They do they do a thing with Jason Todd, which I thought, and again, I can only refer to the first, literally, I, I wish I had my exact time. It's between five and six hours. Um, they do the thing with Jason Todd where they have a scene where, I think it's if you're playing as him, you, he's cooking a meal for the rest of the Bat family, um, and Nightwing's talking to him about, um, like, uh, they didn't ingratiate him more into the Bat family, and that's why he was um, more of a vigilante, and obviously it led to him dying. And Nightwing starts to talk about that, and then um, Todd kind of cuts him off and just so it says like, look, it's okay. Like we got through it, like whatever. And I was like, that's like a nice way to address it. And then there was a bit later on where they make like a zombie joke. Yeah. Um, and they do a thing where like, uh, oh, uh, we're used to being around the undead, right, uh, Jason? And I'm just like, you, he, he, he's dealing with that. <laughs> yeah. Like I thought it was a way more serious thing. But then I was in the moment, I was like, well, you guys are kind of all friends, and maybe that's how you would process it. But then <clears throat> they also do a scene where he's, you can do a dancing, uh, dancing mini game with Barbara. You don't push buttons for it, and um, but you trigger a cutscene with the two of them, I see a minigame, it's not, it's a cutaway, but the two of them are like, settling scores on a, on a dancing game, um, and that gets interrupted. It's like light spoilers for that one cutscene. It's not a wider thing. I don't know if it becomes a wider thing, 
because um, I don't know the rest of the story. But in that scene near the beginning, um, you're playing this dancing game and all of a sudden he's overcome by something and it's like this weird effect of the Lazarus pit. And so I was like, well, it is this like active thing that he's dealing with. Like in yeah. that timeline, I don't know if he just came back like a month before. So I was able to kind of just, in the moment, and I guess that it probably just dovetails off as the story goes on, um, I could, was kind of like, oh, this is this is your main issue. Like you are dealing with being back alive again. Yeah. Um, and that's like, that is like a thing to explore. And then like, they do. I thought they did quite nice stuff with Barbara, just sort of saying, "Hey, I'm going to get some." Like, you know, she tries to comfort him, and she can't really get get through to him. Um, she, said, I'll, I'll get some food. Like, do you want your usual? And he's just, "Oh, thanks, for, thank you." And I was like, yeah. "That's that's a nice back and forth, considering you're dealing with like a resurrected character." Um, so I really like that stuff, but it, I guess it depends if it actually becomes anything. If it if it never does, then yeah, that's it. You know, obviously, some of the <coughs> character writing is stronger than the than, than the others. You know, Jason Todd, I didn't actually spend too much time with, so I right. won't comment necessarily on. His arc through the game. I played more as Tim Drake and Barbara Gordon, mm. so I've got a, a better understanding of how they develop and how their arcs are treated. So Jason Todd probably, you know, his motivation feels more directly tied to the story as well, because obviously Batman's dead. And they even ask mm. at one point, you know, like, why don't we bring Bruce back with a Lazarus paid? Obviously, Jason Todd is yeah. like, that would be a proper bad move, my guy, because that did not uh, <laughs> work for me at all, and I'm still suffering from this. And mm-hmm. it's in, in some ways, maybe a fate worse than death. So he is kind of, it's interesting how he is more tied to the central narrative than maybe some of the other characters, and maybe that works more as an arc. I'm not entirely sure. I do mm. want to talk about if we move on from the writing for a second. Yes. Um, you mentioned there about the issue with four-player games being that if you're playing single-player and you go down and no one's there to respawn you, <laughs> is that a bad time? And the answer is yes. yes. Unfortunately. Gotham Knights mostly avoids this, and you can play 90% of this game um, solo and have a good time mm. and not feel entirely overwhelmed. However, for whatever reason, it craps the bed when you do the <laughs> side missions and you get to the bosses in those side missions. Mm. There are three main villain uh, threads throughout this game that aren't tied in to the main plot. And if you do those side missions, they're some of the most fun and visually spectacular in the whole game. Mm -hmm. However, they're all capped off by a boss fight that is clearly designed for more than one person. And the issue is, even if you're over-leveled approaching them like I was, um, you're still going to have a bad time. Mm -hmm. They're just so poorly designed and designed specifically to frustrate you that they're some of the worst boss fights. So are they, yeah, do they want you to be in multiple places at once? Like, what is the thing that makes you feel like this is badly designed? With the issue, the issue with most is just like how much of, how much health they tank. Right. They, they have an insane health pool that you just, you're, you're dwindling down. And mm-hmm. um, they all have taxed, attacks designed to frustrate and push you away so you can't keep close to them for a long period of time mm. because they may you know spawn spikes out of the ground which <laughs> means that every boss fight is like a battle of attrition okay where you can't even wail on them for too long you can get one or two hits in you've got to roll out the way mm-hmm. dodge a lot of attacks go in get a few hits in they feel designed for one person to distract the boss and another to fight them like and stick up from behind. Mm-hmm. 100% because their attacks go on for a long time and you spend more time dodging than you do fighting, which would be right. fine if you didn't have to hit them so many times to win. Mm-hmm. Another issue is that uh, they're all multi-phase boss fights and those phases could be quite cool. So okay. you've got a big health pool. When you knock a boss down uh, a third, it'll kind of like transform mm-hmm. or it'll throw you a new scenario. Then you do another third, another scenario, and then you win. The issue is... You only have like seven health packs max yes. for each for, for the for the whole fight. So it means that if you get past the first phase with uh, kind of like no health packs, mm-hmm. 
you're probably not going to be able to beat the boss, so it's actually better to die at that point. <laughs> Reload the checkpoint, because it checkpoints every single time you get to a different phase. Okay. Reload the checkpoint, get three health packs back, and then go again, because you know you're not going to have the kind of stamina or the uh, prowess to kind of get that boss down, because they're just such slogs. So it does checkpoint you per phase. Per phase, yes. That's that's a little bit of a godsend. Because I was yeah. like, if it's going to make me do multiple phases all on one checkpoint, I'll throw it out the window. I wouldn't have finished it if you had to. Right. That would have been impossible. You know, I, mm. I, I, I like <clears throat> to think I'm okay at video games, and I like to think I prepared More than. for these boss fights by, you know, being overleveled to try and offset the fact that I was just one person going up mm. against them. Uh and it still was a tough time. It was right. still a slog. Like, two of them in particular, like, some of my least favorite boss fights of the year because they were just so frustrating, Scott Tilford, and I didn't I didn't enjoy it. And that's kind of what started to sour me on the game because I just thought there are some areas of this title that aren't designed well, like, that you no. that feel rushed, that feel like a cool concept mm. that has just been uh, pushed out without proper balancing and they stand out so much because the rest of the game is well balanced mm. I never had that issue at all in the main story <clears throat> but there was nothing at least that I found that signposted these side missions and specifically these side bosses mm. as necessitating two players rather than one even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
that's the whole thing is like that trying to design those styles of fights. Like the the worst part of my first few hours with the game, and I mentioned at the very end of the hands-on video that we did, and um, was the fight against Blazer and Basher. It's like these two heavies that you fight after after you. Um, it's around the uh, the first Harley Quinn section, um, and it was like you've got two heavies coming at you with a handful of like regular goons, and there are like six or eight bombs to defuse around the outside of them. It's like immediately you want me in three places at once. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's like interesting because it's like it's a multiple protagonist uh, game where I could be playing this in co-op. And it's one of those things where, and I've started just just despising this level, this a type of game design where the only thing that changes when they say difficulty where it's a boss fight is that it just does tons of damage, but the animations are the same. So it's like something that's attacking you with a really quick flurry intended for chip damage, intended for, you know, when you're the same level as it or something, um, is now one-shotting you just, yeah. just because the numbers are higher. And it's like, I'm losing to a spreadsheet. I'm losing to a, a mathematical equation that I can't have any control over. And the only solution is, well, go get perfect dodges, but then it's say, well, they have unblockable attacks and they attack you off screen and there's no marker to tell you something's incoming, so you're going to die anyway. And it's, oh, maybe they have a ranged attack that is, it hits you at, like, it's like the speed of a bullet because it's a regular ranged attack from them and it's not something you're meant to dodge anyway, <laughs> which now just kills you in one hit. And I feel like trying to design those styles of boss encounters, um, they get mitigated by the amount of players there are, like a raid boss or whatever, but it comes back to that whole thing of like, oh, it, this works as a single player game, which it does to a point. Yeah. Every single one of these has said, um, it'll you know, it's, it's workable as a single player game. And for me, the main reference point is The Division back in 2016. Uh, when that first got shown off, everyone thought it was a single-player game. Then it was revealed to be more of a multiplayer game um, with, like, the PvP in the middle of the map and everything. And Ubisoft were like, don't worry, it's a single-player game. You can absolutely play it single-player. And I played through the Division single-player, but every time I died, um, good bound, my guy just went down to his knees, and it, there was just a countdown on the screen. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? I can't, yeah. I literally can't. All you're doing is reminding me that no one's here to re to revive me. And I don't know if you have that same feeling where, like, that sort of, that general mentality of I'm playing it wrong. Like, it's like, just mandate it to be co-op. Yeah. Yes. mandated it to be single player, like pick one. Had the same thing during these bosses, which just added the insult to injury, where you literally go down and it's like respawning for three, two, one. <laughs> and again, it just made me realize that this particular part wasn't designed necessarily for mm. one person or it was, you know, you could play it solo. That's always the option, but you're not going to have a fun time and it's not the optimum way to play it. No, I want to shout out as well, just because I think it's a fast, like we talk loads about the, this is the, the, the DMC2 of certain franchises or the DMC2 approach, which is something that is quote unquote ambitious or quote unquote a risk, creative risk, and it fumbles it or it gets something wrong, but it's still interesting to talk about. Like it's still interesting to talk about, you know, what went right, what went wrong um, and whatever. And sometimes those games can be fascinating to pick apart. This is such a, a weird game. Like, it's it's trying for, like, four or five different game design ethoses where you kind of have some live service elements in terms of just the way you're acquiring so much loot and the progression loop that you're on. The mission design is very, like, defend this point, attack this point. Now there's three bombs in the city. Go, go defuse them or whatever. But then you also have really good cutscene direction, really good character writing, at least at the beginning, to try and instill this idea that it's an Arkham follow-up. And you can get through the stealth parts of it like Arkham. You can almost play it exactly like Arkham in that regard. Um, you know, jump on top of the gargoyles, make a distraction, take some dudes out stealthily or whatever. Like, and then you've got all the UI stuff, which I saw Forbes do a uh, headline saying it has the worst UI either of all time <laughs> or of the air or something. And I was like, I don't hate it. Um, I am allowed to talk about this. I don't love God of War Ragnarok's AI from right. my, first, um, my first impressions and the only part that I've played. Um, that's that's a whole thing about like, like, you know, trying to get like a smooth UI that feels intuitive and it feels like it serves you up the things that you want. I got so lost in Gotham Knights uh, UI when I first started and um, where it was telling me about being able to to transmogrify costumes 
and using mod chips and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, that's another live service component that doesn't really belong here. And it's yeah. like a weird distraction. But I'm still, I do still find myself kind of just fascinated by what the hell were their design meetings? How many iterations did this go through? And how did the team that made Arkham Origins make this? Yeah, man. Like uh, nine years later. I have no idea. And again, I'm going to be fascinated <clears throat> like you are to see how they got to this point because mm. they had a bunch of projects canceled. You know, we've talked so many yeah. times before about them. They were originally on Suicide Squad uh, and then that was canceled. <laughs> and then they were apparently going to make a Damian Wayne Batman game, yep. which I would have loved to have seen. Mm-hmm. And that was can too. And then we ended up with Gotham Knights, which has some interesting ideas. But I do think that, you know, to compare it to the Arkham games and specifically Arkham Origins that WB Montreal made, mm-hmm. um, I know people will say it's not fair to compare to that series because this is more of an RPG. I uh, think they're trading on it for the marketing, so whatever. 100%. But I would say to that, like, why would you make a worse game then? Why would yep. you make an RPG if the <laughs> combat, if you knew the combat would be worse, if you knew uh, the open world would be worse, if you knew the progression would be worse? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can say that they're they're not the same, so why are you comparing them? But I think I can compare them if you have opted to make a worse uh, feeling game. Like, why would you do that? Like, the combat in this can be fun, yeah. but it's a huge step back from what um, Arkham brought to the table. And if this game mm. was exactly how it is right now with Arkham's combat, I think it would be better received because that was so much more fluid, Ooh. in my opinion. Uh, it was all not not. It wouldn't save the game, but no. it would give it some. It would give it an added edge because now playing it, it feels like um, the combat from Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is fine. Yeah, but it's, it's yeah. not Arkham combat, and that's what we're coming from. It's interesting because I feel like the Arkham combat had its day, and then it was so. It's in everything. Like from indie games, like Hand of Fate to Sleeping Dogs, and obviously Arkham itself. Like it was just everywhere to the point where you know you can once that once those rhythms are in you, um, you can just get through those games like super easy. And I remember get just just immediately doing like a 50 hit combo whatever in Arkham Knight the second I boot it up because I've played so much Asylum and City to that point yeah. and so I was kind of I did kind of was up for something different I remember when they were showing off Gotham Knights it just looked so plain and boring um, and it's that's the thing it's one of those plain third person action combat models that is literally from Assassin's Creed like you have your melee your and, uh, light attacks and heavy attacks and then you have your specials to bust out I do think they can combo together quite nicely mm-hmm. um, but some abilities are made for groups like Nightwing when you get his knighthood uh, like there's a bunch of challenges called knighthood once you do that you get an ability you put down like a healing aura on the floor and I'm like well that doesn't solve doesn't serve me at all as a single player because yeah. I'm going to bounce over a guy's head and move away from this aura so it's like that was the same thing in the division it was like oh you can play it single player but a lot of the things you're unlocking are um, healing things for uh, for allies and it's like well I can't what's the point like you know yeah. but I overall I think that there's for me there's like a feeling of uh, moorishness to the combat in Gotham Knights that so far I've really enjoyed um, where everything is really well choreographed and all the this is a weird thing to point out but all the sound effects line up which which is a thing that I always hated about Assassin's Creed. There's really incredible choreographed moves and really like sick looking martial arts, but you would like deck a guy and then it would go like Psh, afterwards. <laughs> and I was like, that just takes me right out of it. Like I want it to feel good. Yeah. And I feel like those, at least that portion of I'm roundhouse kicking a dude and backflipping and doing whatever, that side of it lands. The moves are choreographed really well when they're not bugging out, I guess. Yeah, 100%. You know, like the animations are lovely, mm. especially, you know, I keep talking about Robin, but Robin with his little staff, <laughs> he is uh, so... Um, you know, 
like dynamic to watch. He is one half of the dynamic duo, of hey, course. There he is. Uh, Jason Todd, especially, like hits like a train. Like, <laughs> this guy's uh, finishing moves, in particular, are so brutal. Just like, a massive like wrestling body slams. <laughs> like there's a stealth takedown. There's like, his quiet stealth takedown. He just double choke holds the person yeah, and holds man. him in the air till they pass out. Yeah. Like you can push someone into a wall as yeah. him, just like smash their skull <laughs> off the wall, and it's like that guy's so dead. And I know you've got guns anyway, so you are killing people with non-lethal rounds if you go on the description which is hilarious okay brilliant we've moved on from that happy but <laughs> like that's that guy's skull is not coming back I'm no. telling you that right like you might have broken that guy's leg but it's going to be ripped off if you like <laughs> even touch it because you've brutalized it that much mm-hmm. but yeah it's fun to watch it's just not it doesn't necessarily feel good no I know what you mean I think that they've tried to aim that's the thing that's the kind of side of it that I think is fascinating it's like you're coming off Arkham I remember the initial announcement for this being like Batman's dead what happens next and everyone was like okay this is set after Arkham Knight and then it was like over to, over time it felt like they really struggled to combat that and say no this is our own separate thing it just happens to have the same story set up um, as where we left off in Arkham Knight and then it was just like well we're, we're kind of trading on that we're kind of trading on Assassin's Creed open world design we're kind of trading on loot systems and like, assumedly four player co which actually is two player co-op and we're kind of just trading on the idea of it being like a worthwhile single player thing and the only Batman thing we've had in seven years yeah. so it's like there's all these different elements that are all just mashing into each other and there's something about the resultant like I do think it has a soul I mean I guess that maybe it vaporizes by the end of it but it felt like a team of creatives trying yeah. it didn't feel like um, it was completely hampered by studio decisions it felt like they had to accommodate them but it felt like they still had a story to tell and they still had a world that they wanted to depict and everything else um, I'm looking forward to how much I'm going to eat these words when I play more of the game um, <laughs> Um, but I feel like um, they at least put their best foot forward. I guess they've like stumbled as they tried to move. But yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, I mean, ultimately, while I am more negative on it than I expected to be after mm. the first few hours, I still do stand by what I said and maybe you said as well uh-huh. in the um, early impressions video that yeah. it is still miles better than the Avengers. It's still miles better than Anthem. And that is partly because it does feel like it has a soul. It feels like the foundation is there. Mm-hmm. And I would be interested to see what they do with the Gotham Knights too, because, you know, I do mm. think that this has potential. It could become a really interesting franchise if you tighten up the areas that so desperately need tight- tightening up in this first effort. So there's something there at mm. the core of it. I just I wouldn't personally be interested in any expansions for this game necessarily unless it was something that completely blew me out the water. Uh-huh. However, I will be back come Gotham Knights 2 to see how they've improved it and hopefully they can create the game that I wanted this to be without any of the cut corners, without any of the concessions that had to be made and maybe it'll finally play like a next-gen game as well. Oh, by God. Well, okay, do, do you think, that, what do you think they do with this? Because it's sold abysmally. Like, I mean, even the video... Like, I always think when we put like a tips and tricks video out, if that thing bombs, it's usually indicative of how many people are buying it day one. Yeah. Um, our tips and tricks video for Gotham Knights, which I do recommend. I've made the damn thing. Go watch it, uh, please. But that's absolutely bombed as well. And I think the general reception around this was it's broken. The frame rate's terrible. At least wait for a patch. I don't see this getting a sequel. I feel like this is like the best they could squander from all those other failed projects <clears throat> because one of the uh, ideas for the Damian Wayne game was the Bat Cycle, um, which is now in here. Not that well either, no. but it feels like something that was lifted from another game and plunked in here. Um, I feel like this was sort of, they had to do something and make it right and get something out the door and tell the story and whatever. Um, but I feel like they might just be glad to be done with it because I imagine the development was an absolute living hell. Yeah. And so the thing is, I wonder, you know, did they do a 60 FPS patch? Did, does that then invert all their weird marketing stuff? Like they have to kind of go back on like, 
the idea that you what what have you just bought? Like we've sold you an early access game because even the base frame rate isn't ready yet. Um, do they do a game of the year edition? Like do, do Warner Brothers stick with this? I know mm. the developer is WB Montreal, but I mean Warner Brothers, the publisher. Do they allow them to stick with this? I hope so. I don't think you can afford to uh, you know try something else. How mm. long did it take to get this game made? Do we want another <laughs> seven plus year gap God. between this game and whatever the next Batman related thing is? Mm-hmm. I, I do think the foundations are solid. Like I said, and if the developers are passionate about the sequel, I would like to see what they have to offer because without spoiling anything, this game also ends on a big sequel tease. Ah. So it's clear that the uh, developers are at least planning for more adventures in this franchise. Whether that be an expansion, it could be an expansion, it could be a full sequel. Mm -hmm. I don't know yet. The the end leaves it open to either, essentially. Um, But yeah, it does seem like this was built as the start of something. Mm. And I would be interested to see... uh, what comes next and I just hope that you know it's not hampered by <laughs> the potential again this is me hypothesizing mm-hmm. uh, mandates that have come down from WB I think I'm just I'm just it's like I said I think it's fascinating the place that it's in right now it obviously launched horribly had a really weird rollout where people really weren't looking forward to it and like I said I wouldn't have picked it up uh, if not for the um, thankfully being able to access it through a review code so I think I'm curious how much that uh, is replicated across like the, the mainstream if people are waiting to see it get polished if there's if they're interested at all or if the idea of a bat family focused game just isn't what people want it's like give me Batman or give me nothing yeah um, and whether that'll sort of meet out over time I kind of hope they plug stuff into it if they patch up the frame rate and patch up the before the raw performance side. You can stick with 30 if you want, but it has to be bang on 30. Yeah. The fact that it dips below 20 or whatever, um, or kicks you back to the dashboard, like, that's the stuff that you need to completely, that's unforgivable, that's unacceptable. 100%. That absolutely needs to be sorted out. Like you said, you know, yeah, get that thing stable, get it (laughs) better optimized, get it looking and playing like it should on these next-gen machines. Um, I will say that what I would love to see patched in, Mm. that I don't think they would do, because it kind of goes against what they have been saying uh, Mm -hmm. in interviews and in the marketing so far, I would love to see them patching the ability to play as two people in solo modes. I would love to be able to take two heroes on a mission and swap between them myself. I think that would make those fights more manageable. I think it would make the uh, fights maybe more interesting. Mm. Uh, I just, as a solo player, I would have liked to have seen that. And it would fit better with the story as well because there are some times, again, not to spoil anything, where people are, like you said, you know, they're referring to actions that multiple characters accomplished when in reality it was just you. Yeah, I had that right near the beginning where um, I was playing as Jason Todd and I escaped something as like a cave was collapsing. And then it was, then I switched to Barbara and the the follow-up conversation was like, oh, you barely made it out of there, Barbara. And I was like, I wasn't even there. Like, (laughs) I'm I'm assuming you think that in the, it's like the game's canon. It's like, it reminds me of Octopath Traveler where, in Octopath Traveler, it was assumed that all eight characters are doing everything at yeah. all times, even though you're only watching one of them. Um, and I was like, okay, the assumption is that all four of us are doing this, which hilariously, Scratch the Bingo card gives me a, tra- a, a segue, Go on. an immaculate segue into Mario and Rabbids. Hey. Because in Mario and Rabbids, um, which I'm going to close the podcast on, because I know I don't know how many people are bothered about Mario and Rabbids. Mario and Rabbids, massive. You you give me a shout, um, and we'll talk more about it in the future. I'll subject Josh to more Mario thoughts <laughs> and Rabbids thoughts. Um, but that game has the same thing, where... Um, in cutscenes, it'll show the entire party, but you're only picking like two of them to do a, a fight or whatever. But then next time you get to a story moment, everyone is there. It's like Mario, Luigi, and all the different uh, rabbits and everything. Do you know what they've done in this game, Josh? Go on. And I, I quite like the rabbits. I quite like the minions as well. No, I'm not going to go out my way for them, but I don't mind them. I think they're quite funny. They're quite cute, especially the rabbits. Um, I love the Mario and Rabbids, the original game. Um, I'm blanking on its name now, Kingdom of something. Um, that game I absolutely love, and I love the way they did rabid versions of iconic characters. Yeah. 
absolutely love Rabbit Peach. The idea of just a rabbit dressing up as Peach, trying to be like Peach, but doesn't speak. It's all in the animations. Like, yes, they do stupid noises, but um, trying to put a wig on, trying to look glamorous, trying to take selfies in the middle of battle. Like, that's really funny. That's really cute. And that's a really good idea. And then fleshing that out to like, what would a, a rabid Mario look like? And rabid Mario has a toothpick and he's like a, <laughs> he's like a Southern American giant shotgun. He's like, get off my lawn type guy. Right. Trying to live up to being like a badass. And I'm like, that's such a great design for that character. Um, and like, you know, rabid Luigi's just terrified all the time. Cause of course he is. Yeah. And things like that. And then this one, they've made them talk, mm. which I don't need the, like, I mean, they don't talk constantly, but they talk more than the Mario crew. And I don't need rabid peach killing someone and then going winning. Like, no, 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 no. That's that's the wrong direction. I don't need that whatsoever. Um, it's not charming. It's it's it, I tell you what I I tell you what I've started despising. Go on. It's everywhere. People saying, I got this. I got this. I got this. Okay, oh, you got this. I got this. <laughs> have you got it, have you? Have you got it, right? Because everyone's got it now. Can can we move on? I just once you notice that I got this is everywhere, as well as that was awesome. Uh. And they're everywhere and it's killing my soul. And like I got this is just everywhere. And yeah, things like that. Um, that I, I can't go into specifics, but like right. that phrase it's just is like killing me. Saying stuff for saying yeah. stuff's sake, uh, which I know is hilarious considering we've done like 35 minutes uh, <laughs> on a Monday morning about Gotham Knights. But you know what I mean? It's like, I do. do you need to plug that silence with a little quip that we've heard a million times? Yeah. What does this add to the character? I don't know. That kind of sounds like to me, go on. correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Like when they added voices to the Lego characters after so long <laughs> of them being like mute <clears throat> and just, you know, emoting with their animations. At least that would though, like, because I love the, Lord of the Lego Lord of the Rings, like at least that was movie audio and you had like a, a, a de facto juxtaposition with really epic gallant dialogue from Lord of the Rings really like, delivered really meticulously. Oh my God, we did take care of this thing. With Lego characters, like that was funny and it worked. Like I said, I just don't need <laughs> Rapid Peach saying winning or whatever it is. <laughs> it just takes me out of it. Um, but yeah, if I talk about the gameplay, which is what matters, Mario Rabbids is fascinating. Mm. Um, it's turn-based strategy, but they've tried to hybridize like Mario gameplay into an XCOM or turn-based grids, you know, grid-based strategy game, which is to say that when it's your turn, you just run around as if it's a Mario game. Like it's, you get your turn, you have a, a radius that you can move in and rather than move on a grid or, you know, like, you know, like a, a sign, like, oh, I want to go and attack that guy. I want to kick that guy. Then I want to do this next move. You just run around and then you can trigger like a stance um, to go into aiming or whatever. Yeah. Or you can just like kick off a guy and then go into a, a glide and move somewhere else and then land and run around again. And it's like this, beautiful, weird, but it works hybrid of like 3D platforming and strategy that I know they've showed a little bit in the trailers, but I think starts to speed up fights in a really cool way where you're just, you're, like I said, you're hybridizing like platforming mentalities and, and strategy mentalities and you're still taking cover. Like when you aim, if you're next to a, a wall, it'll highlight and show where you're going to go into cover and your character will automatically take cover and then aim. And it's like, once you get those movements down, you're just tearing through areas. And also like the overworld um, in the original one was a lot more um, like, like not necessarily straight linear. There were a lot of paths in it. There were some diverging paths, but it was very much straightforward. It's like, go down this path, get some coins, maybe do a puzzle, and then that's your next battle. In this one, um, every planet is its own like mini biome, and there are enemies roaming around with levels above their heads. And okay. when, you, when you walk into them, it triggers a fight, and then you do like a turn-based fight, but you're otherwise doing 3D platforming. Um, there isn't a jump button, but there's contextual stuff, uh, and there's puzzles to solve and characters to talk to, and loads of NPCs to talk to, and like, you know, uh, merchants and everything. And it's like, these are such really cool evolutions of like, 
you know, how like a strategy game for one, like a grid based strategy. Um, and then also like what, what is the Mario DNA? What ideas does that give you? And it's like, you're collecting, you know, uh, seven red coins because that's a Mario staple or whatever it is. And I feel like twinning that with the overall gorgeous presentation, like it's easy, one of the best looking games on switch. Right. And um, the snowdrop engine is just, well, it's like Ubisoft shining star that they just don't want to admit is like the best thing they put out. Like this is easy. One of the best Ubisoft games. I mean, that company is in the pits right now. Um, but this has love and a purpose and a soul. And I love all the characters designs rabbit rosalina genius <laughs> doing rabid versions of like this the and um, the loomers yeah like, i know you don't like just you don't speak mario but you know those know. little those little yellow boys yeah, that hang yeah, around yeah. With rosalina? Oh, yeah, they're yeah. like just little sort of fat sack men and um, because they're half rabbit or whatever just all that stuff if you're into that um art direction that whole idea of rabidizing mario they know exactly what they're doing, minus the talking. Ah, Just well, get them to shut up. It seems like they got the the big things right. Yes, least, you know, it feels like a good and worthy successor to an original that I know so many people really, really loved. Mm-hmm. Scott Elford, what I will ask yes. um, of you yes. is that I know you haven't finished it yet, but is it? On the level of a game of the year contender, are we talking, you know, top ten of the year, top five of the year? Because I going into it, I wouldn't, I were, I wondered mm-hmm. whether it would be a kind of late in the day addition to uh, your top ten because I know that you really enjoyed the first one. So Mario much. has twin pistols and can aim at two targets separately. So yes, which is a DMC two mechanic, <laughs> uh, and I miss that in more games. Why can I not aim at more, more two twin things? For the three people that played Twin Caliber on the PlayStation Two, I see you, I feel you, and I wish it was in more games. Um, I don't know. I've only played a couple hours. I'm playing this. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely thundering through God of War. Thundering. Ironically, hey, hey, I'm icing through God of War. Um, and I'm absolutely loving it. So I've only played this on the train to work and back, which okay. has added up to, I don't know, maybe an hour if I'm lucky. Um, I've only really done the first biome and the first couple of bosses. Um, so it's not that much. Um, we'll see. I think that it's a, it's tough contenders this year. Like you've already got Horizon and Elden Ring and Oli Oli World, goddammit. <laughs> and, uh, and so we'll see. But um, yeah, everything they're going for, they're absolutely nailing. I, I've seen in the options, there's an option to turn down character dialogue. There you go. And I'm like, I don't want the quip. I don't want the, I don't want Mario to not go, Woo-hoo, but I do want Rabbids to shut the F up. So I'm going to maybe faff with that slider and maybe then it'll be game of the year. <laughs> so we'll see. If I can restore um, uh, Rabbit Peach to her former glory, yes. then uh, we'll see. But for now, this has been the wind-up. Uh, massive thank you to everybody for listening. Usually I say some stuff. Again, scratch the bingo card. I've been Scott Tilford. You've been Dr. Ron. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. It always is. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.